This week, Activision is getting a new home at Microsoft, the IRS is getting biometric data, and YouTube is getting a little more original. It's Sunday, January 23rd, 2021, and this is episode 616 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher uh, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, or YouTube, or of course on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us uh, in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right, before we get started, I want to let everybody know that uh, the other show that I work on, uh, GNC Week in Review, just had its 100th episode on Friday, and uh, as part of that, we are doing a bit of a giveaway. If you go to gncweekly.com slash giveaway, you can find out all the details, but uh, basically, if you follow us on, uh, on YouTube and Twitch and uh, Facebook and share the contest, uh, you'll get extra entries into it. We're giving away a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, some of our CES 2022 TPN uh, merchandise, including uh, a mug, a t-shirt, one of the face masks, uh, and, a, and a whole lot more. We've got stuff from CES, some uh, some swag that, that uh, Kirk picked up. So definitely go check it out. Uh, over at gncweekly.com slash giveaway. Anyway, Abram, how are you doing tonight? All right, not not bad. I mean, I've just been uh, spending a lot of time away from the computer on, on the weekend. You know, hang. I should say away from the computer, but not away from electronics on uh, okay. the weekend, you know, playing with my kids. My, uh, my son and I, Doing a lot of uh, playing a lot of Minecraft dungeons, uh, so you know it's uh, it's it's been cool. Uh, my daughter's not three yet, but she's already playing video games. So of although course. at a kind of a a different slower pace type of game, but she's got like her fire tablet that she got for Christmas, and so she discovered video games on it, and she wants to show me, you know what what she's doing with those games, which are like, you know, games for kids her age. So it's like, you know, not, there's no like goal. There's just like, you know, you can take a little, an animal and you can make it take a shower or like use the potty or or whatever. Right. And she just wants to tell me about, she's like, the cat used the potty. I was like, oh, great, great. The cat (laughs) used the potty again. Like, wow, that cat has a really small bladder. Um, but, possibly a prostate you know, problem. Yes, yeah, possibly a prostate <laughs> problem. But you know, it's uh, 
it's it's cool i think many years ago we did a uh we did a pilch point on toddler apps and i should probably do the research to do another one because there's there's whole other level of toddler apps now than there were when my son who's nine was a toddler yeah so um but uh yeah it's amazing how fast kids learn uh learn to use tablet uh the only thing that really throws her off is when she gets some kind of pop-up right and i don't mean on a website like you know she'll be using uh like i don't know something you know in in the fire store or whatever and it'll be like oh would you like to subscribe to noggin or whatever and she's like do something (laughs) you know right right. hit, hit the x x for her now, mind you, that also that kind of thing also throws off my mother, who's uh, who's eighty. So, so figure, uh, uh, so you know, it is it is what it is. But yeah, it's been uh, you know, otherwise uh, otherwise quiet quiet few days, um, working on some programming tools for my job, and uh, I don't know. We're uh, I'm sure you know after the news rush of ces it's a little bit of a quiet week or two and then i'm sure we're going to start to see uh more things coming out as uh we head into february yeah almost certainly (laughs) there's there's always a a short pause and then back to chaos uh speaking of ces did you see our interview with piku p-i-c-o-o it's a little gaming console for for kids that has no screen. Oh, I have not seen that yet. It's uh, it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting concept. Uh, uh, basically, they look like, and as we were watching the interview unfold in in Las Vegas from the studio here, everybody here went, "Well, those look like PlayStation Move controllers." <laughs> uh, and they definitely do somewhere between a, a Wii remote and a PlayStation Move controller, um, but there's all the 25 plus games that you can get for this thing. It's a really cool idea. You, because you had mentioned games for for kids, and this is this is definitely one of them. Uh, for people who want to see it, plughitslive.com/ces. You'll see all of our all of our CES interviews uh, this year. There's there's a bunch so far, and a lot more coming. Uh, as always, three per day, every day, until either we're done or I am so exhausted that I pass out. Um, you, usually it's the first, uh, but occasionally it's the second. Uh, but anyway, we've got a lot of news to get to today, so let's get started. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking an Xbox, um, new games, and a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to find out uh, what products are available, any deals that are going on, and of course, more about the, uh, the discount, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. We have talked over the last couple of years about the uh, 
growing tend, growing trend towards, and then backlash against <laughs> um, uh, facial identification. Uh, there's there's that that company whose name I can never remember. Uh, oh no, and it's here too, right? I know it. Uh, Clearview AI. I always get confused with uh, Clearwire that was the, the WiMAX provider. Clearview AI that the law enforcement was using. Uh, a lot of people came out and said the government shouldn't be using facial identification. It's, it's a violation of all kinds of things. Well, for those who are looking for a fight, have I got some news for you. Uh, if you want to interact with any of the IRS systems online starting, uh, I believe, this summer, um, you will have to go through a facial identification system called ID.me. Was that it? ID.me. Um, this is a system that is used in other parts of the country. Uh, I think there are 12 states currently who use it as part of their uh, welfare program. But this will be the first time that non-federal government employees uh, will be required to use the IDME system. As you might expect, there's been backlash <laughs> against this um, because while it theoretically rolls out in the summer, uh, there's been a lot of questions about whether it's going to be required for um, filing taxes. Filing taxes, because it's going to be required... The IRS has said it will be required for paying taxes, but whether or not it'll be required for filing your your annual uh, reports and stuff is, to me, currently unknown. They may have clarified since uh, since I wrote this, but hopefully it won't be required for this year, and we've got some time to talk about it and not, you know, what, two and a half months? So uh, there's... There's a lot of concern about it. Every time somebody includes any kind of biometric thing, whether it be the fingerprint readers at Disney or, or facial recognition or facial identification uh, with law enforcement, people, people absolutely freak out, as we've talked about. Right, Abram? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we've, there's a lot of, been a lot of identity theft and impersonation and tax, and tax filing. Uh, haven't there been a, a lot of situations where folks will file their tax return before you do, and then they will b b change the address or something so the so the refund comes to them, not you? Yep. Yes, unfortunately, the uh, the most prominent ring that has been involved in this keeps coming from Tampa. <sighs> but so. So, I mean, I can see why you might want to do that. On the other hand, though, I don't understand how you couldn't spoof this. Like, I don't know. I don't understand the technology well enough. But if you're saying that you want me to be online, right, could you not just could I not just replace the feed of my webcam with some type of photo of of the face of the person I want to impersonate? Absolutely, because I get all whatever you guys are seeing on the on the stream right now. If you're watching live, I can do all of this as a webcam. <laughs> I can convince my computer that the whole show is a webcam. Right. So so I, so I can so feed anything to this ID me company as as a webcam feed. 
Right. So I'd like to see some proof that it's that they're making sure that I don't, I, I mean, I bet you it can be spoofed, right? Like how are they going to prove that you're doing a live web webcam view of your face versus, um, you know, versus just any video or still that you got of the person that you want to impersonate. Right. So I don't, I don't like, unless you're going to be playing Simon says, <laughs> put your right oh, hand up. Oh, right. That's <laughs> a new gonna... captcha for that's a new, <laughs> that's a new captcha for you. Right. I mean, it's but, a, a lot of but, the dating sites, the way they do, uh, profile verification to get the little blue check mark on your profile is, uh, they say, all right, you have to put your right hand on top of your head and your left, touch your nose with your left hand and take a picture. Now, taking the picture is the complicated part, but uh, but that's that's legitimately how the dating profiles uh, do do verification. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I mean, it it's difficult, right? Because if somebody really wants to spoof something, they can. And I mean, the incentive for... Like the incentive for an individual to, I don't know, spoof their identity, to, to go through ac extraordinary stuff to spoof their identity for a dating site probably isn't as great as to run a ring where they're going to to like file to get people's tax returns sent right. to them. So, I mean, if there's, if there's money behind it, which there is, you know that folks are going to figure out a way to fool this, which means yeah. that it's useless. Absolutely. So it's, I, I don't... it's a lot of work for possibly little return. As we know, we had a whole segment a couple of weeks ago at the end of last year about the dating app scams that are going on. And right. the thing I can tell you is all of the profiles that, uh, that we have encountered, that we have interacted with, and I've been talking with more people. I believe there's somebody in chat right now who also has been interacting with these people. Um, they're almost always verified profiles. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, they, I understand the need, why they would want to have a higher level of security, but I'd like to have some, uh, be convinced that this actually works. Yeah. Because it sounds like something that would be fairly easy to, fairly easy to spoof i mean having people spoof windows hello and by holding a photo to it or or something like that i mean i guess that's why you need an ir camera but at least there it's built into the os so the os it's hard i probably harder to fool the os than it is to fool a website right because you could easily do something to your browser to fool the browser or to fool right. the website there's several so, layers of abstraction between your camera and the website versus Windows Hello. There's no layers of abstraction. It's just the webcam and the operating system. Right. Like, I don't know how you would program Windows Hello to use something that's not a real webcam to use, you know, a fake feed. Where, right. But uh, your browser, I'm sure you can. So... So yeah, it it's I don't know I I'd like to see an explanation for why this for for how this would actually help 
because if you're only eliminating the most obvious uh, suspects, but you're not, because I mean, I don't know what the, the stated purpose of this is, but the stated purpose is uh, dealing with uh, people filing fraudulent returns. Right. Then folks, which it who, is, you know, criminals, criminals who are doing these types of frauds will easily figure out a workaround. Right. So it seems like this, this only clears the lowest of the low hanging fruit. The, the guy who's going to try and file his ex-girlfriend's tax return and, you know, steal her $400 return. This is, this is not the rings of people who managed to get every retiree in a, in a, uh, retirement home complex in one swoop. Right. Yeah, exactly. So also what I'd like to know is how they're going to know that it's like, are, I mean, I don't know. I'm not very familiar with ID me. So how does ID me know that you are who you say you are when you first set it up? Uh, so you have to include, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to include do do do. Um, you have to upload uh, a valid government ID, a utility bill with the same name on it, and then this selfie. So it's very similar to for for anybody who's been through the process of clear um, the 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 vaccine the proof of vaccine app. Uh, it's very similar to that. Um, and for all we know, just as difficult to do because I can tell you, I never got it to work and I gave up, especially since we canceled on CES. I, I, I was chatting with their support and everything. I, I never got it to work. Alante got it to work first try, but then, but then, so other uh, other organizations use a similar process. Uh, Uber is a good example. Uber drivers have to do this this thing where you have to line your head up in the in the little bubble just right to take a a picture that's then somehow compared with the ID, the driver's license that you submitted, which is also connected with the insurance, the car insurance that you have. So there's your three points, just like this, right? Except it's car insurance instead of any utility bill. Um, and it is complicated for techies to be able to accomplish. Because it's like, no, you don't. No, that doesn't look like a person. Try again. <laughs> and and Alante saying in the chat, every couple of days when you're driving, you have to go through this process of re-verifying that you're a human being uh, and that you are the same human being. It's It's fascinating and horrible because it really doesn't work well. And so, you know, if this is, even if this works perfectly, which of course it won't, um, because it's been contracted by the government, but let's, let's assume that it works flawlessly every time. There are still going to be people who can't make it work. And we all know that, right? Your, your mother gets thrown off by pop-ups in the app store. But she yeah. wouldn't be logging onto the IRS website anyway, right? But my mom might if if she's if yeah, she's filing yeah. taxes online, 
And I guarantee she'll be yeah. stumbled in the same place. And that's not going to be great. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting question. Uh, like when I use an accountant to do my taxes, they file the taxes online while we're, while we're, while we're there, mm-hmm. right? While we're after we're done. Would this yeah. then prevent someone, an accountant from doing, from filing? No, your accountant should have different access. Um, having, mm-hmm. having spent a lot of time with the IRS, <laughs> because I worked on an IRS integration project a number of years ago, I know that, uh, that professionals have different access to the IRS systems um, and that the people who are, who are authorized to act as, um, as tax accountants have gone through a, a, a screening process where they are able to validate that you're you. Okay. On their certification. That, 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 that makes sense. Cause I could definitely see like, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know how common it, I think it's pretty rare today for people to actually have to like take their tax return as paper and mail it. I think, you know, Probably. if you go to, go to a tax professional, they're still submitting it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this stuff works out. It does not make me happy. And I'll tell you, it's, it might be, uh, it might end up being a big boon for H&R Block as, yeah. as, as people try to avoid this and go see a, a tax professional instead because it's worth the $39 or whatever to deal with a, a human being and not do this. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously we'll see uh, exactly what this looks like. We'll find out uh, if this is going to be required for this tax season. They said summer, so we'll see. Um, but who knows? <laughs> this week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. What have you got for us tonight, Avram? So I wanted to talk uh, briefly about choosing a gaming monitor, uh, upgrading your monitor, because that's nice. an upgrade that people can actually get in twenty in in early twenty twenty two, and it will change your game, uh, literally and figuratively speaking, because. A lot of the other things that you want to do for your computer, you know, for your computer setup, you may have trouble affording or getting, right? Like getting a new graphics card has been a nightmare for about two years now. Uh, There are some signs that it could get better in in a few months, but for now, uh, pretty difficult. You can get a new CPU. You can get new SSD. You can get a lot of other stuff, but without the graphics card, 
it is difficult to really upgrade your your performance particularly when you if you're interested at all in gaming but what you can get and what you can do is that you can get uh is that you can get a uh a gaming monitor for a relatively decent price so um so wanted to talk i wanted to talk really briefly about some of the things that you need to look for and uh, i will just show here that we have a few we have some resources on tom's hardware uh so i will share my screen for a second oops the wrong button there um so if we look over here um so we have a list of the best um, gaming monitors. We also have a list of the best 4K gaming monitors. Uh, so the first question, of course, is do you need a gaming monitor? Uh, only if you are playing games at over 60 frames per second. But a lot of people want to play games at over 60 frames per second. So that is not um, unreasonable. What makes something a gaming monitor, besides the fact that it is marketed as such, is that it would have a refresh rate of at least 120 hertz. And that means that if you have a graphics, a discrete graphics card that is capable of doing adaptive sync. Now, adaptive sync is the generic term for AMD FreeSync or, or uh, NVIDIA G-Sync. Those technologies take your graphics card and they sync it they sync the refresh rate of the monitor to the frame rate of your game so what is weird what is weird without it is let's say you have a monitor that is fixed at 60 hertz that means it refreshes the picture on the screen 60 times uh 60 times per second right and if you were operating at, you know, 120 uh, frame per, if you were playing a game at 120 frames per second, you would lose some frames there. You this might result in some ghosting. It might result in some tearing of images. So you want ideally for the game performance, the FPS, to match the hertz. And what these monitors do is they will synchronize with the graphics card. So if the graphics card says, hey, we're giving you 72 frames per second, the, the screen will say, fine, I'm operating at 72 hertz. Um, and that's how you get, um, that's how you avoid that type of tearing. Now, most monitors are marketed as either being FreeSync or G-Sync. FreeSync is the AMD standard, but most FreeSync monitors will run, uh, will work with G-Sync if you uh, turn the setting on to use it, even if they're not certified for G-Sync. So that's important to know because there's a lot more FreeSync monitors than G-Sync because it costs, there's no licensing for monitor manufacturers to implement FreeSync, whereas there's a fairly, uh, there's, there's some type of fee for G-Sync. So, um, so the other thing to keep in mind is the panel, other things to keep in mind are panel types. So 
there's three main panel types that you see on gaming monitors, or really on all monitors, TN, IPS, or VA. Now, TN uh, are, is fast, ref you know, is capable of very fast refresh rates, but uh, not really good image color quality at all. So most, most monitors have now moved beyond TN, only cheap, some cheap ones have it. I would not buy a monitor that had a TN panel. IPS is very common, uh, uh, good for high refresh rate, pretty good color. VA generally has slower response times, but it has much better blacks. So it has better contrast because if you have a darker black, then your, uh, then your other colors contrast with it better. And so you get uh, a more vivid image. And obviously you want to get at least 120 Hertz. Most, mostly today, the bottom, the bottom refresh rate for a real gaming monitor is 144 Hertz. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is what resolution do you want? Uh, our top pick here on our best gaming monitors page uh, is the Dell S3220DGF. It has also recently been upgraded to a model that's almost the same, that is the S3222DGM. Uh, and what it is, is it has a 2K resolution, 2560 by 1440, and can go up to 165 hertz. So 2K resolution for a lot of gamers, that's about as high a resolution as they wanna go if they wanna get decent frame rates. Because if you want to have high frame rates, like 100 FPS or more, and you're playing at 4K, well, you're going to need quite an expensive monitor and quite an expensive graphics card to do that. But um, the Dell uh, S3220DGF often can be had for under less than $400. Uh, it's 32 inches and curved. Uh, a lot of people like a curved display, I should say. Uh, and if you get a curved display, it's almost always going to, it's always going to have a VA panel. Uh, so... Uh, that is one of our, our favorite picks. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, of course, is the color gamut. Um, there's a lot of claims about uh, which, you know, what percentage of what color gamut. Uh, DCI-P3 is the wider color gamut that most monitors support. Uh, obviously, the closer to 100% you can get is going to give you more vibrant color, uh, less expensive monitors. Uh, will only do the sRGB gamut, which is less uh, expansive, but also more content supports sRGB. So, um, so you might uh, more of your content might actually match with that. Now, of course, if you're using DCI-P3 uh, color gamut, and it's not that your content won't work, you might just actually get more vibrancy than you were uh, looking for. Uh, which could lead to some inaccuracy, but could also lead to a very vivid picture. Um, if you want to save money, a good way to save money and get a gaming monitor for under $300 is to get one that is 1080p resolution. Uh, there you can get something like this Gigabyte G27F monitor that is uh, 
can usually be had for well under $300. And that is 1080p. Uh, sometimes you can even on sale get a, a high refresh rate 1080p monitor for under less than 250. Now, if you want to go, if you, if you want top of the line, uh, and top of the line in a reasonable price range, the MSI Optics MPG 321 URQD is a great choice. This is a 32 inch, uh, 4k gaming monitor with, um, with quantum dot technology, like you see in some high end television sets. And so it gives you fantastic color quality, but it's only around $900. So, so a good deal, uh, operates at 144 Hertz, uh, actually also takes USB-C input, which not everything does. Um, so, uh, and, and it supports HDR, which is great. Uh, and it can even, uh, jump all the way up to 700 nits of brightness when playing, when playing HDR content and it's color gamut. It exceeds ZCI P3's limit and goes up to 117%. So, um, if money is no object, uh, this is, this is definitely, uh, a monitor to get because, uh, and, and I wouldn't even say money is no object. $900 is really not that bad. There are monitors that are $2,000, uh, especially if you're talking about ones that are, you know, OLED. That's, you know, another level entirely. Of course, uh, if you really want, uh, you can always uh, go for things that are up to 360 hertz. Now, most of the time when you're getting a 360 hertz monitor, uh, you're talking about still 1080p uh at that at that uh, speed so why would you do it uh esports gamers so some esports gamers uh will you know want a game like counter-strike go uh they which they play competitively and they can you know if they can get 240 hertz or 360 hertz that means that they that might be the difference between making the shot and not making the shot so, um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here to really upgrade, upgrade your performance, get something which will provide you with higher resolution, better color, better refresh rates, uh, maybe even some features you don't have like USB ports on your, on your next gaming monitor. Uh, and that, you know, that could really change how you experience, uh, your system. And, you know, not that long ago when we would talk about a gaming monitor, the prices were up there and, and you had a couple options in there that were, you know, in fairly regular monitor range, which was, yeah. which was pr pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, you, you, I mean, first of all, if you just want high refresh rate, you can get a high refresh rate monitor for 250 or, or less. If you want, mm -hmm. I would not personally, I would not get a monitor that was below 2K resolution. I think the sweet spot right now for price and performance is to for a gaming monitor 
is to get a 2K as in 2560 by 1440 resolution monitor that operates at, uh, you know, 165 hertz or 144 hertz or higher. That is that is the the sweet spot in terms of price price of performance. Now, if you are, we were talking about gaming monitors. If you want a uh, productivity monitor, then by all means, it's reasonable to get a 4K monitor mm-hmm. that operates at you know 60 or 75 hertz and use that uh, and use that. So. And, and those, you know, you can easily now get a 4K, a 4K 27 or 28 inch monitor for about 350, maybe, maybe less. Uh, of course, if you want really good color, you might be spending four or five hundred. You might be spending 500. Uh, so it, it, it really depends what your needs are. But obviously, you can really change your experience mm-hmm. by changing your your screen. It, and it is something that, like, I think people hold on to their monitors for a long time because they don't they don't break that that often, right? Right. So, and they continue to work with newer and newer computers. So here I have four monitors today, and I have my top two monitors here are older than my son, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, that's how old they are. They're older than my nine year old, but they still work fine. So. Up until last year, I was using them because they worked fine. Why would you get rid of something that works fine? Every time you get a new computer, it would the same monitor would work fine. But eventually, you say, hmm, what if I could change the experience? The thing that I'm looking at the most, that I'm interacting with the most, is my monitor. Right. If you uh, Those who tuned in last week know that your monitor could also be catching your coughs and sneezes. Uh, but, uh, anyway, it's very intimate with you, your monitor. So, so anyway, you, <laughs> I had it, forgotten it, about that in the conscious <laughs> part of my mind until, until just now. <laughs> now, none of the monitors I named claim to suck up your snot. So I should, uh, uh it's an important disclaimer. Problems. Yes. That is not on the VA panel or the IPS panel, um, but I'm not. But given that you probably don't want to be sneezing on your monitor, your um, your uh, your best bet is to look for something with really good color quality, uh, good resolution, and uh, high refresh rate. Yeah, and and it sounds like there are some some great options in there. I think. I think everybody knows that my setup is in in mission control is a little old. Uh, the the four main monitors that I have um, we bought when Sumo was pretty early in its days, so we're talking probably twelve years old. Um, and I've been looking, I've been looking at possibly updating them. And obviously, Tom's hardware is the is the place that I always look now, to figure out what I'm looking for. Now, one thing I will say is if you are doing a like four monitor layout as I have here, I wouldn't go for curved monitor in those cases mm-hmm. because I, I feel like, and I haven't tried this, but I feel like it would be weird because the monitors are kind of curving in, so putting them next to each other 
probably isn't a great user experience. Yes. Have you tried that at all? I, it seems like a bad idea. Yeah. So uh, anytime, anytime you have one of those like immersive uh, gaming, like racing chair things, it's always three curved monitors. And if you look at, like, if you turn and just look at two of them, they're like behind you. <laughs> with the three, they're like literally even leaning back. Even with three, they're behind you. So yeah, two, like, you're catching stuff literally out of like the, your peripheral vision. It's real weird. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think I mean, I think a lot of these gaming monitors are not designed to be used in a multi-monitor setup. Or if they are, it, it's not meant that you get two two of the same. Right. Maybe you'd have your gaming monitor, and then you'd have your like non-gaming secondary tertiary monitors. The the thing that I've been seeing a lot lately, and and something that I'm starting to understand more and more, like for for in here. Uh, Obviously, I have you here, and then I have chat over here. A lot of people are turning, are getting a the the ultra wide curved monitors, and turning them ninety degrees, and putting them to the side, and having having chat on one of those ultra wide monitors. Uh, and boy, I can tell you, during CES, I wished that this In was portrait. sideways. Uh huh. In portrait mode. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's an interesting idea. I wished uh, that's what I had during CES because chat was moving so quick during CES this year that I'm losing stuff as we're talking about it. It's scrolling right off the, off the well, in this case, the bottom of the screen because our chat works different. Um, but it's literally just disappearing off the bottom of the screen. I'm like, no, I was going to quote that person. Well, now I've got to go grab it on another screen real quick. So I... I kind of like that idea, especially in here. I want to turn that one 90 degrees and then get a, an ultra wide for it eventually. Well, what I want is that uh, Samsung Arc monitor that we saw that, well, I shouldn't say we saw that, that we, that was at CES and that uh, our photo, our, our freelancer, uh, Benjamin saw at CES, this, yeah. uh, the Samsung Arc monitor. Yes. Yes, indeed. But I'd also like, um samsung's the wall so you know <laughs> yeah that would make for a really easy easy backdrop wouldn't it <laughs> anyway um obviously you've got you were showing off the resources um how can people see them for themselves so go to tomshardware.com and you can see uh our list of best gaming monitors best 4k gaming monitors specifically uh and uh See if there's anything on there that uh, I'm sure there's something on there that would suit your needs if you're looking for if you're in the market. Fantastic. Well, Avram, as always, I appreciate the glimpse into that part of the industry that I so often have to skip over, <laughs> especially when it's it's time for me to be looking at monitors. So thank you for that. And uh, as always, I look forward to what we talk about next.
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Loot Crate. Whether you're a gamer, anime fan, or pop culture aficionado, Loot Crate has got a crate for you. They curate a bundle of collectibles, apparel, figures, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Crates get delivered to your door. It's like getting an awesome birthday present from yourself every month. And to learn more about the crates that are available and the discounts that are currently running, you can go to f5live.tv slash lootcrate. This news is not news to anybody by this point. It was probably one of the biggest stories of the week. Activision has been acquired by Microsoft, as well as everything under the Activision umbrella. $67.8 billion um, in an all-cash transaction, which is something that hurts my head to even consider. But... (laughs) Um, that is, that is the situation and, um, there's lots of details out there on, on what's happening, but there's a lot more interesting things to talk about here than just that because, uh, it's a big story, right? Microsoft has now acquired one of the largest game developers and publishers, in the world, bringing them into the Microsoft gaming environment um, and making them one of the Microsoft studios. Um, but there's there's a lot around it, right? We've got, well, why was Activision up for sale? Well, we've talked about that a little bit in the past. It's all the trouble that has been caused by the chaos behind the scenes, right? Sexual harassment, possibly sexual assault accusations within the company, a uh, very toxic culture from the top down. Um, Fifteen hundred Activision employees signed a petition asking the board of directors to fire the CEO because of what a terrible person he is. Which is something that the entire industry—it uh, doesn't matter where in the industry you are—everybody in the industry knows uh, about Bobby Kotick, and nobody likes the guy. So, you know, it's. It's all coming to a head now, right? So there's all that that has been so big that they had to rename a character in Overwatch because he was named after one of the longtime developers, people, who was involved in all of this stuff. It's been a big deal. The stock price has been tanking. That's the reason why Activision was available. But what does the future look like? Personally, I think the future is probably pretty good under under the the Microsoft umbrella because total prediction I have no inside knowledge on this just basing on what I know about Microsoft what I know about what's happening at Activision and what has happened in the past and some of the words that Phil Spencer has used my guess is day 1 that Microsoft is actually in charge once the acquisition is complete and they are actually internal Bobby Kotick and the upper management, gone. I, I predict that it is legitimately a day one move um, because I think it has to happen with everything that was happening over there if anybody's going to have, have faith that Microsoft is looking to make changes to a toxic environment. I think getting rid of all of the people who knew about and ignored what was happening has to be a day one move. Um, Bobby Kotick doesn't seem to know <laughs> that that's 
the likely outcome. Uh, but I think I think it has to be a day one move. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's interesting because Microsoft is kind of taking a risk here, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're buying a a brand with really negative uh, publicity, which is not what Microsoft needs. On the other hand, they have an op- they have the opportunity to they probably they almost certainly feel that they have that they can you know, infuse them with a more, um, I don't know, normal, reasonable, uh, helpful, positive corporate culture. Mm-hmm. So a uh, less toxic culture. So hopefully that's what happens. But on the other hand, when one company buys another, some, you know, you can come in and you can try to impose your culture on a place and you certainly can do a good job of that. But if, you know, it, it may be hard to, it may, it may be hard to, you know, to really rid, I mean, yes, if they get rid of the upper management, that's a big step. Yeah. But if the cult, if there was a culture of harassment and bullying and all that stuff, like how far are they going to go and like, they're going to like, what happens? I'm just saying like, what happens if, I don't know, after the merger is completed, there's a whole bunch of lawsuits filed by people who have been harassed right. at, at Activision. Now Microsoft is put in, in the position where they have to defend the lawsuits, right? right? So so it could be, you know, they they're acquiring an asset that has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. For right? sure. And so so you know there's a certain amount of goodwill where Microsoft can say like, look, it wasn't us. Like we, you know, we've come in and we're on day you know, one. We fired the CEO. <laughs> we, we you started know. to clean house. We're trying to do what we can to prove that, that we're trying to make changes. Right. I mean, they obviously have, to, first of all, they have to do that, right? They have to make it. If they don't do a good enough job of cleaning house, there, people are going to say that Microsoft is just uh, following along, right? right? Part of the problem. So this is part of the problem. Now, on the other hand, look, Microsoft didn't do that, probably didn't make this move because they wanted, they felt bad for the employees who were working in Activision sure. and had to deal with this toxic culture and they wanted to save them. They want, sure. they're doing it because they think it's, it's a troubled asset and still a very valuable one. Microsoft. Right you know, wants to be dominant, a dominant player in the gaming, in the gaming creation space. Yeah. Uh, and they do own some very important assets there, right? Yeah. I mean, all, they own- all of a sudden, Microsoft is now in charge of Call of Duty, <clears throat> uh, Warcraft, including World of Warcraft, the Starcraft franchise, the Overwatch franchise, uh, the Diablo franchise, who has a fourth game coming out, Overwatch 2 is supposed to be coming out, but has had trouble in development for various reasons, some of what we've talked about. And then they've got a whole bunch of stuff um, like from the past that could come back. Uh, you know, the Guitar Hero franchise is Activision, and rhythm games are coming back in a really big way right now. Guitar Hero should be reborn. Well, now Microsoft has it. Um, you've got uh, Spyro, 
from days gone by. That's an Activision property. Um, and then what a lot of people don't know, Activision owned King. <laughs> so now Microsoft owns one of the largest mobile game developers as well. And you and I have talked about our frustration with some of Microsoft's dabbling into the mobile gaming space. Uh, Minecraft Earth, for example, where they right. seemed to get frustrated with their own inability to understand what they were doing. Well, now they own the one of the developers that could have pulled something like that off. So things like, like um, Gears Pop, which was a fun game. Uh, Minecraft Earth. These types of things are way more possible now that they own King than they ever were hoping that Mahjong, I know that's not the name of the company, but I can never come up with it. Uh, the the Minecraft developer, you know, way more than hoping Mojang. that they're going to... Yeah. Having King work on something is way better than trying to teach a studio new technology. So all of well, a sudden, you know now they've got all this stuff under their belt with one well, purchase. Doesn't, doesn't King make like the Bubble Witch saga in, in those games? Candy Crush. Because Candy Crush, because yeah. Microsoft Windows usually comes with some of that preloads, what some of those games preloaded, much Indeed. to my chagrin. Uh, so, who's going to pay Microsoft now if they actually own the company that's been doing that? Right? Well, they've been paying, I assume they've been paying Microsoft to shovel that crap where on onto new in, Windows installs. Indeed. But now all of the in app purchases come to Microsoft. So there's still an incentive to include it on there. So. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I think there's a lot here. And when you start talking about, and I hate the term, but I'm going to use it because it's, it's popular right now. The metaverse, whatever. Uh, when you start talking about, you know, stuff like that. Now Microsoft also has a lot of properties that can be highly profiled in the virtual world uh, as well. Sure, they had they had some some big things, you know, Gears and and Halo in particular, but then all the Bethesda stuff behind the scenes. But now with Activision, I mean, come on, that's. <laughs> I mean, they're dominant. Yeah. So, I mean, this really makes, this really puts Microsoft in a very strong position in the gaming space. Yes. And it's starting to, it, it's interesting. It's starting to push a lot of PC gaming again. Um, and, you know, the PC gaming space has blown up. And now with Microsoft, so you've got Microsoft in charge of Activision soon let's just say that it already is so microsoft in charge of activision bethesda there's a whole slew of other studios in there you know 343 and everybody else and then all the stuff under under activision you know treyarch and blizzard so you've got all you've got all of that and then you've got sony releasing one of their biggest uh uh playstation exclusives like this week on Windows, all of a sudden, PC gaming is becoming 
super important again when, you know, so much of the industry had shifted console side. Now we're starting to see it shift back. It's, and so, you know, once again, Game Pass becomes the even more the best deal in gaming <laughs> with Activision coming uh, in-house and EA, EA Play being part of it. I mean... Microsoft is the place to be for gaming right now. Now, if only they could make video cards be available. Well, you know, one step at a time. <laughs> I have, I have a card for for uh, my brother on order that has been on order forever um, through through us, and I don't, I don't know that it's ever going <laughs> to ship. Because even our shipments are getting delayed, which is killing me. So, uh, but hopefully we'll start seeing some of that, some of that uh, free up in the future. Because we really need video cards. But at least we got games. We got games to play. We can turn them down <laughs> for now, and then hopefully video cards will come back, and we'll be able to to play them at at full speed again soon. Fingers crossed. This week's news from the Tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you're on a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats the traditional antivirus software can't stop, and it actively blocks threats like dialers, rootkits, exploits, bots, and a whole lot more. Uh, it allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more, they get a special price. You can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes. Speaking of uh, privacy and security, an interesting uh, bug was revealed this week that shows that since the, re the most recent uh, major releases of both iOS and macOS, there has been a bug that has violated a core tenant of internet security. Uh, it's the cross-domain uh, policy. Uh, the same origin policy is uh, also how it's known. The same origin policy is what uh, makes sure that other sites that you have open on your computer can't see what you're doing in other tabs. So if you've got, you know, uh, your your email open in one tab and I don't know, Facebook open in the other, Facebook can't read your email, right? That's important. <laughs> it's an essential part of security because what if it's not Facebook? What if it's a site that has an ad, a malicious ad, which we've seen many times before, right? Running in an iframe. That iframe can't access the content uh, of of the page that has loaded it. It is annoying under some circumstances, but it's an essential part of internet security today. Well, Safari has not been obeying that on iOS, iPad, OS, and Mac OS since their major version releases a few months ago. Um, the primary issue is that Windows can pull uh, each other for 
uh, databases. So there's there's a database that exists within your browser so that websites can store small bits of information uh, for faster future retrieval and things like that. Um, and normally, when you poll how many databases there are, it only gives you back the names, the quantity and names of the databases that you have created. So Facebook can only find out what databases Facebook has created in your browser, not the ones that Google has created. Well, not the case here. When you poll, you actually get the names of all of the databases in the system. Now that may or may not be a problem because if it's, you know, if it's Facebook and they only have one, I don't know if they do, but maybe they just call their database Facebook. No big deal. But Google, on the other hand, because you can have multiple Google sessions open at once, right? You can have one tab open with, with your you know, primary Gmail and one open with your work Gmail. The databases are named, I think, Google dash and then your account unique identifier. Oh, well now other sites, including malicious sites, can find essentially what is your tracking ID for your Google account. And now they have access to do other things. Now, has this been exploited? We don't know. And what can they do with that particular information? Some stuff based on some public APIs. There is some information that can be polled using that identifier. But I guarantee Google's not the only one that's naming a database this way that has identifiable information in the database name. So this needs to be fixed. Apple was informed by the, the developer who discovered it in September of last year. So just after iOS 15 came out, right? This bug was reported to Apple and we are, oh, right. We're at the end of January of 2022 and it hasn't been patched yet. So that's not great. This is frightening. Uh, why? This is incompetent. Yes. Why? How? First of all, how did they end up introducing this bug into their software? Like, this Safari, is something that is... Safari was almost entirely rewritten. Uh, and they made a big deal about it. Uh, Safari was almost entirely rewritten except for the rendering engine uh, coming into iOS 15 and Mac OS whatever version this is now. Some mountain in California probably. Uh, um, it was completely rewritten. They made a big deal about it. And so with a rewrite, you're going to introduce new issues and they definitely introduced a new issue here. I mean, it's not quite as bad as the, the issue they had for a number of years that they didn't know about where they were ignoring SSL. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty bad. So I don't understand. Apple has a lot of money. Do they not pay somebody or either have a team internally or pay an external firm or somebody to security audit their browser? Wouldn't you think? I mean, or I, even, I don't know. It just seems or like even something basic unit testing. Basic unit testing. I. This is stuff that that uh, 
a first year uh, developer, well, first year in, in unit testing would know to do is to build tests around this because this is going to be a big hole. If this goes wrong, bad things happen. So do they, does Apple not do any unit testing? Are they still in the 90s in their development methods? It sounds like they kind of assumed that, hey, this is something that has is always been part of the, or long been part of browsers. So we're not going to test for it because it, it just ought to work, right? Right. But that's, that's foolish. But that's, right, I mean... I I assume right. I I have no idea how it actually goes in inside of Google or whatever. But they come out with new Chrome versions all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we're on, what are we up to now? Ninety five, ninety six, something like that. Yeah, somewhere um, in there. Right, they're constantly coming out with new versions. But the differences between one version and another are usually fairly small. So I don't know if when they're going from version ninety five to ninety six, somebody goes in there and says. Hey, let's check and make sure that it still renders the paragraph tag correctly. Like, maybe it's just assumed that, like, hey, if it worked before and we haven't messed with anything, it should still work. But on the other hand, here's something where Apple rewrote large sections of the browser. Right. They shouldn't have assumed that that everything would just work. That's what regression testing is. <laughs> Is to is you run tests to go back, and you should be doing regression testing both by people and by tools to go back and make sure that things that used to work continue to work. Yep. So I mean, you know, that is messed up, and I can understand how it would happen to me if I was. Uh, updating a browser extension I was working on. Sure. But I can't understand how it would happen to Apple, who probably has, I don't know how many people working on Safari. So A lot. A lot. But apparently no QA. <laughs> so, and then someone points it out to them, and they can't be bothered to fix it? They should be embarrassed. This yeah. is... I mean, this is this is a very embarrassing bug, four, and they four months. If you know. if if this were Microsoft, the whole internet would be fuming over this, as well they should. <laughs> right, but but there hasn't been as much outrage over Apple doing the same thing, and it's. It's insane. There should be. There should be a lot of outrage over this because this is, like you said, I liked your word. This is incompetence. Yeah, it's it it's incompetent. You how can you allow such a thing to happen? That's that's absolutely ludicrous. Also, how often do they update? So this was a major update. So they should have had a higher standard for checking it. And also, it's not like they're updating that thing every day, right? I mean, how right. often does Safari actually get an update, version update? Right. No, never. Not. It's not like <laughs> Chrome is getting one like every week or something, and yet right. they haven't done this. Right. And they have. So I'm looking at the at the version list. the The current published version is ninety seven point zero point. 
Um, but they also have a 98, a 99, and a 100 in development because they've always got, you know, there's the beta channel, the dev channel, and the Canary channel. Canary is on version 100 right now. They are always updating what's going on with Chrome. And there have right. been there have been full system behind the scenes like blowout try again at least twice that I can think of. And they have never introduced anything like this. You know, okay, opening a tab, the animation gets a little glitchy sometimes when you have a, a big you know UI blowout or something like that. But never Oh, we just uh, broke the way security works. We're sorry. We'll maybe someday, if we ever acknowledge that it exists, maybe we'll fix it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really bad. It's really really bad. So, ah, uh, because of the policies that Apple has on how browsers work, the problem is on iOS. And iPadOS, you can't get away from this bug because you have to use, you know, if you use Edge or you use Chrome on the on the phones, on iOS, not everywhere else, Android and uh, Linux and whatever, but on iOS, the rendering engine, which includes this database bug, has to be Apple's. So... Uh, on iPhone, on iPad, there is no way around this. Once again, proof that a wholly closed, tightly controlled ecosystem can only cause problems. Whether it be Epic Games, you know, wanting to use their own payment system, or... Apple screwing up internet security, this tightly controlled ecosystem can only cause problems. Right. I didn't write about it, but there is a there is a bill in the uh, in the house right now that is looking to prevent that kind of of uh, tight grip over technology. I don't know if anything will happen with it, but it does mean that somebody is at least thinking about these kinds of problems. We'll see what comes of that. But here is a great example of why we need the ability to have multiple rendering engines for browsers on on iOS so that people can go, oh, Safari might be allowing people to steal my information. Whoop, I'm going over to Chrome. I'm going over to Edge. I'm I'm out of here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ah, we'll see if this gets updated. If it does, we will uh, update you. Who knows, though? This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know that you get free shipping on a lot of items, but you may not know that you also get free uh, music with Amazon Prime Music. You get free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free video games, and a free Twitch subscription to financially support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. And all of that is part of your existing Amazon Prime subscription. To learn more, to get links, 
to all of these features that you may not have known about. And if you're not already a subscriber, to get a 30-day free trial, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash prime. Speaking of content creators, YouTube has been one of the primary places for content creators for a long time. Obviously, Twitch is, has become, as we are here on both YouTube and Twitch right now, if you're watching live, um, Twitch has become a big, a big place for content creators, but that's mostly for live. Facebook has some interaction. Some people succeed over there, but it's really, really been about YouTube. But Google's messaging on on their relationship with content creators has been confusing for a while. We've talked about uh, a number of issues uh, that have popped up over the years. Uh, a new one is happening right now uh, in, in uh, the reliability of statistics, uh, but I'm not going to get into that today because we're dealing with it ourselves. Um, but... One of the things that has really sent a mixed message was that it seemed that YouTube was trying to compete with its own content creators with their YouTube Originals programming. Um, whether it be, you know, smaller style game show programs or big budget uh, uh, projects like the first season of Cobra Kai, uh, YouTube has put a lot of weight behind behind their YouTube originals, despite the fact that the general reception has been disinterest. Um, people generally have not cared about uh, the stuff under the YouTube originals as much as YouTube had hoped. Uh, in fact, even Cobra Kai didn't really catch on until it moved over to Netflix. Um, because of that, YouTube has announced that YouTube originals is no more. Uh, the division has been has been cleared. We saw this coming a little bit when the head of the division left a couple of months ago. Um, but now the division is no more. There are two categories under what was YouTube Originals that will stick around. Those are YouTube Kids and uh, Black Voices. But all of the other YouTube Originals are hereby ended. Um, and, and the company said that they're doing this because they feel like their resources have been spread too thin and that they have not been giving attention to the content creators as they deserve, um, which I agree. <laughs> they definitely have not. Um, and so if this does help with, you know, YouTube focusing back on what made it it, right? Uh, I think this will be good for content creators. I think this will be good for media viewers because YouTube doesn't need to be Netflix. We don't need another Netflix because we have Hulu. We have Amazon Prime. We've got you know right. Disney Plus. We've got Paramount Plus. We've got HBO Max. We've got plenty of other services. We don't need YouTube also trying to be Netflix. Be the best thing that YouTube is. So I think this is a great move for content creators and for YouTube. Well, I'd like to know what the move is as far as for con as far as how they're going to help content creators. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. What does that mean? I, what I I mean, are they going to give them more money? Are they going to send them better cameras or something? Like what <laughs> what what are they going to do to help content creators? Because it sounds to me more like. They just have a division that wasn't performing, and so they're killing it. I don't know if that's going to help the content creators in any tangible way. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree on all of that. I will tell you what I would like to see out of them. I would like to see YouTube start putting more uh, effort into their backend services. Um, there is a there is an issue with statistics where you know a video will have high views and then all of a sudden it doesn't. Um, all week we've been watching our videos view count go down instead of up. Um, we had three videos earlier this week lose 95% of their views overnight. Lose. So did people unwatch a video? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, there's there's always issues like that, which is a real problem. But but the the question is, does, does canceling YouTube originals do anything? I'm guessing that it just all goes straight to the bottom line. It was probably losing money. And so they probably, yeah. they said, what's the point of this? I mean, you're right, though, that YouTube had somewhat of an identity problem, or rather... There's the identity that YouTube really has, and then there's the identity that probably someone at Google thought they should have. Yes. Hey, this is a this is such a well-known brand. We should be turning it into another Netflix or something. Mm -hmm. But YouTube is the center for user submitted content. Yes. Right? Now absolutely. What what Google, what I think google should do with youtube but far be it from them to listen to me is provide more and better ways for creators to monetize their content yes. and provide more and better ways for people to use and provide ways for people to use the youtube tool set outside of youtube so like it would be, I don't think right now there's a private, any way to have a private label YouTube, right? No. Like, like, at, you know, a lot of companies use other tools that want to say, like, they want to host their, they want to have their own video where they can sell the ads into it and things like that. will use other tools that are not as intuitive, not as strong as as youtube and so as youtube is wouldn't it be great if just as you can get google apps for your domain you right. could get youtube for your domain and hey you can you know you can sell your own ads into it you could do your own stuff whatever but you can use the uploaders and the website and the web servers that they have for hosting and all the tools they have for embedding, you know, for online editing of your video and and wow. putting stuff on it or whatever. Like, why can't why can't they have a YouTube like YouTube for your domain type of thing? Yeah, wow, that's a great idea. <laughs> because there's a lot, there is competition in that space. There are companies like JW Player or whatever where. Uh, you know, companies are, are paying because they don't want uh, YouTube to sell the ads on their on their content. Right. But like the tool set and the host and the servers and all that stuff, for, the infrastructure for YouTube is is great. Right. So like, right. why wouldn't you want to allow I mean, to allow other companies to like 
other publishers to pay to use that infrastructure. I mean, but that again, nothing to do with YouTube originals because YouTube originals, right. I think it was just something that wasn't, that wasn't earning money period. Yeah, I, I agree completely. But now that they have freed up resources, both, both human and, uh, and financial capital, right? Maybe we can see them start working on things that actually make sense. <laughs> but I mean, the, 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 the hardest thing for, you know, it is for all the issues that we've seen with folks getting copyright strikes and, and things like that, or maybe it too easily getting, you know, penalized or, or whatever, all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, maybe they should invest in making things a little bit more friendly for the creators, for the creators the on YouTube, because the review process, the, the, uh, the challenge process for a, for a strike, that would be great. Right. Or, like, or getting information about why you received a strike. Just that, just yeah. that would be nice. Fix, fix all of that because YouTube has behaved like very much like a monopoly in that they really don't treat the creators. Yeah. They don't treat the creators very well. They're more than happy to give you strikes or, or whatever. Um, and so, but on the other hand, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of really good competition out there. Like where, where do you go if, if you're not, you know, if you're banned from YouTube or if you're, you're not making the money you want on YouTube. Yep. YouTube is Twi I mean, Twitch and Facebook if you're game streaming. It's trip. If you're game streaming, it's Twitch, maybe it's Facebook or whatever, but like there's no, there's no real competition there. So yeah, YouTube is, is in a great position. If only, if only they could, you know, make sure that they're really taking care of their, mm -hmm. of their creators and providing more opportunities for them to earn. And the other, the other thing that YouTube could, could try to be a little bit more is, is it could act a little bit more like a social network because in effect, YouTube is a social network, right? I mean, yeah. you have profiles on there, people leave comments, there's, there's videos like it's the Google has basically decided a while ago that they can't do social networking, right? Like mm -hmm. they tried with Google plus they failed, but like, here's an area where they have great success. YouTube, they have a, they have a dominant property yeah, and it is, and it is a social property. So like maybe they should find a way to actually make it more palatable, like make it, I don't know, more successful as a social network. Yeah, I, I agree. They've, they've added some stuff like, like posts, but it would be great if, so one of the things that Facebook has the ability to do is to share ownership of a video. So we do it with our CES content, right? So We'll post the video as a premiere on, say, Monday on the Plug Hits Live Facebook page. And then on Tuesday, we'll post it not as a premiere, just as a video on F5 Live. And then on Wednesday, we'll post it just as a video on the Pilch Point Facebook page or something like that. But all three, if, let's say, you're an admin on the Pilch Point 
Facebook page, right? So you can actually go right. in and you can see all of the stats for that video, whether they came from Plug Hits Live, F5 Live, or PilchPoint. You can actually see the stats across all three platforms. Why, why does the video site not have that? <laughs> why can I not share a video as if it's mine? Uh, like for GNC Week in Review, I would love for Plug Hits Live to be able to share that video, but to have the stats be available. Nope. Facebook's got it figured out. YouTube, nothing. Yeah, it, I mean, they really could. There's a lot that they could do, even though they really do have a very strong platform technologically. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see them do all these things. I don't think that this move is going to change anything except for the fact that, once again, Google is dropping something that was unsuccessful. Right. What, Google dropping a project? No, they've never done that before. Oh, no, wait. We have a tag in our system specifically for that. That's what I meant. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully they're not just blowing smoke, but I think... I think you're probably right on uh, on the reality of what's going to happen here. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, chat with us in the studio, uh, give us your feedback. Thank you to, to chat tonight. Um, uh, we, we got... Um, Mojang and a number of other things in chat tonight as reminders for my uh, ever failing memory. Um, if you can't join us live, that is also okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows and all the ways that you can participate in the show, including social media and all of that. Um, a reminder that CES stuff is still going up. We've got a lot more interviews, and there are a lot of interviews, interestingly, in our YouTube uh, uh, membership stack. If you are a blue shirt or above, there are a bunch of interviews that are currently in there that you can watch that nobody else can just yet. Uh, so you can go check that out at uh, youtube.com slash live. Hit the join in the top right corner, and uh, blue shirts and above get that, which is pretty cool. Um, plus you get a whole bunch of emotes and there's, there's a lot of stuff that you get for your, uh, your subscription over there. Um, but yeah, that, I think that'll, <laughs> that'll do it for tonight. And so, uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.